already. I want to welcome you to this Christmas series we're starting today called The Sounds of Christmas. Uh, a couple things I want to say before I get into my message today. One is uh, each week we're going to be looking at a, a different kind of theme. Next week is going to be The Sound of Joy and our children and our choir are going to be doing a lot of special music for us next week in addition to the message. Really want to encourage you not only to come uh, but to invite some family and friends to come with you. It's a perfect opportunity, particularly for some, uh, friends and family you have that maybe don't go to church anywhere. The kids and choir will be spectacular, and then, of course, they'll have to put up with me. But other than that, it'll be a really great service next week. Hope that you'll, hope that you'll be a part of that. Secondly, um, many of you are aware I write a daily devotional. And uh, for the month of December, uh, I started on Friday. I'm going to be, I've entitled that also, The Sounds of Christmas. And each day, I'm pulling a phrase out of a familiar Christmas hymn and uh, how that truth is kind of revealed in Scripture. And uh, it's going to be a fun series through that. If you're interested, if you haven't been tracking with the Daily Devotional, you can either go to my personal page on Facebook, you can contact the office, get it by email, or you can go on your Chartel Church app and you can read it that way. Uh, as well. Um, there's a great song uh, that many of us love at Christmas called Oh Holy Night. Throw those some words up here. Oh Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. How many of you love this song? This is actually one of my absolute favorites. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the Spirit felt his worth. Read this last line out loud with me. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Hope. Everybody say that word with me. Hope. Is that something you could use this Christmas season? Um, you know, when I was laying this series out, I, I thought of if there is anything that I've heard from the heart cry of people that I get a chance to talk to, it's this need for hope. And if that fits for you, I just want you to know two things. One, you're not alone. There's a whole lot of us that are in that same boat. And secondly, that's exactly why Christ came from heaven to earth, to give us hope. Amen? I want you to look at a passage of Scripture with me. If you want to take your sermon outline, if you'd like to take notes or just track along on, on, on the outline, you can take, take that out of your bulletin. Uh, we'll throw it up on the screen for you. I want to look at a passage of Scripture from Isaiah uh, 9. Um, and by the way, there are Bibles in front of you in the pews. Those are NIV Bibles. And if you need a Bible, please feel free to take one of those home with you. Or if you have a friend or family member that could use a Bible, feel free to take one to them. We want to make sure everyone has access to the Word of God. Hundreds of years before Jesus came, these prophetic words were spoken about him coming and what he would come to do. Let me read it for you. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, and there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. Now read this next part out loud with me, would you? The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You know, when we talk about Christmas, one of the things that we often use the phrase, it's the most wonderful time of the year. 
except when it's not. And though for some of us this coming Christmas season is, it means joy. It, it, we, we think of all the fun things that we get to do and we're looking forward to all of the parties and all of the family we get to see and all the other things that go along with it. But if we're really honest, there are some of us that that's not really true for us. We, like the scripture described, are a people that may be walking in a bit of darkness um, there are some of us who have gone through some stuff in our lives recently, and it's, it's kind of left us in a fog, and it's really hard to see. Um, there are some of us who have encountered things or gone through things or, or dealing with some stuff, and quite frankly, we're, we're not feeling all that excited, and it seems almost that as if the holidays are just making those bad feelings feel worse. But here's what I want to give you today. That's one of the reasons Christ came. For all of us who are walking in darkness, for all of us for whom maybe this season of the year feels rather cold, and maybe rather than feeling excited, we're feeling sad, or maybe rather than feeling a part of things, maybe there are some of us, even sitting right here this morning, surrounded by people, you feel very alone. To the people Walking in darkness, guess what? God has sent a great light. Amen. That hope we're talking about this morning, his name is Jesus. And I want to I share with you this morning, I, I want to I talk about maybe some things that some of us are walking through. And I just want to let you know, it's to all of us who are struggling like that, to whom this hope came. Are you ready? Walk with me as we head through it. First of all, there's hope for those of us who maybe are lost in an impossible situation. For those of us who may be lost, our darkness is, we're in the middle of this impossible situation. There are some of you who are dealing with some stuff, and, and I know what you're thinking. You're going, wow, Pastor Steve, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to I believe what you say, but you have no idea what I'm dealing with. You have no idea what I'm going through. You have no idea the situation I find myself in. There, there's, there really is no hope for this. And I, I want to tell you, I love you, but I think that you're wrong. You see, I want you to look at a passage of Scripture with me from, from Matthew 19, verse 26. What's it say? With God... All things are possible. Look at me. Do you believe that? Four of you do. <laughs> do you believe that? Yeah. Okay, eight more. That's good. With God, all things become possible. And that's one of the things that we have to really hold on to. Because sometimes, if we're honest, even though we believe in God, sometimes we forget what God can really do. Um, I, I love my favorite author uh, is Max Licato. Uh, I just love his books. I just love the way that he writes. And Max, uh, in one of his books on the unshakable hope, uh, talking about when he was playing, um, he was at a, at a Bible retreat. And one of the guys who actually attended his church and actually came on staff, I'm not sure if he still is anymore, is, uh, was David Robinson, the pro basketball player. Some of you know that name, some of you won't. Uh, David Robinson, a big seven-foot center, he's a Hall of Famer, played for the San Antonio Spurs. Really funny, because David Robinson started out in the Navy. We got some Navy people here. He started out in the Navy and then went through this incredible growth spurt and grew to seven-foot-one. 
And the Navy called him in and said, David, we're sorry. You can't walk around a submarine like this anymore. You know, it's just, it's not, so he ended up going out of the Navy, playing pro basketball, became a Hall of Famer. But he was also, David Robinson is also just a great man of faith. And he started attending Max Licato's church in San Antonio. And Max was talking about he was on a Bible retreat at this conference center with David Robinson and a whole bunch of men. And he said, we had a break and we were out. He said, we decided to play some pickup basketball. Can you imagine that? I take David, <laughs> you know. And he said, and we're out there and he goes, and, and most of us, he said, you know, we're just middle-aged men who probably haven't even touched a basketball since middle school. And we're out there just kind of running up and down. And he said, and David was so kind. He's such a great, humble guy. And he said, he was, you know, he was just kind of jogging up and down the floor and passing the ball around and really not, you know, not trying to do anything spectacular. And he said, we were all just kind of getting in the groove. And he said, then suddenly David takes the ball from midcourt and he just decided, I guess, to show us what he really could do. And he said he takes this pass and he just takes three big strides and dribbles and goes up and just slam dunks it, you know, and just rattles the whole backboard. And he said, David, Max said, we were all just standing there going, oh my gosh, you know, look what he can do. And he said, it was just funny. He said, David just smiled and it was just like a smile of saying, just wanted to show you what I could do. Every once in a while, I, I think that's kind of what God wants to do for us. He wants to give us a, a little bit of a wake-up call just to remind us of who he really is and what God can really do. Look at me. Hear my heart. I don't know what impossible situation you may find yourself in. You know, maybe it's a way that you think, I don't know there's any way out of this. Do you believe that God is a God who can make a way when there seems to be no way? Do you believe that there's a God who can part the Red Sea? Do you think he really can't make a way in your circumstance? Or maybe some of you are dealing with some, some health issues. And, and maybe the doctors have kind of gone, thrown up their hands and said, there's nothing more we can do. But do you believe that God is still Jehovah Rapha? The God who heals us. Do you believe that he can still do those kinds of things? Or, or some of us find ourselves maybe in situations financially. Man, we're, we're upside down and we just go, I, I don't know how we're going to get out of this. Do you believe that he is Jehovah Jireh, our provider? Look at me. The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Do you think he might not sell a couple of those and give you the money, huh? I love the passage of scripture, Paul, Ephesians 3, verse 20. Read it out loud with me, church. He says, now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Can God still do that kind of stuff? I read a, I read a story a while back. I just, I just was so cool. Um, throw that picture up on the screen. There are probably only about 10 of us in the room who actually know who that is. <laughs> who is that, church? Danny Thomas. Yeah. Anybody under 40 know that name? Don't hold your hand up. You're not under 40. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought when I showed it to first service, I said, all y'all know this. Nobody in second service is going to know. Danny Thomas was a, was a really great actor uh, and, and guy, he just, comedian, he had a great, a great uh, tenure in, in that industry. But Danny Thomas, a lot of people didn't know, he was also a great man of faith. Uh, he, was, he was a deep believer in God. 
And uh, Danny was telling the story that when he first got into the industry, he said, man, he was, he was dirt poor. And he said, I'll never forget, he said, my, my wife and I were a week away from our first child being born. And he said, I literally, he said, I, we had no money. And he said, we were just struggling for survival. And he said, I had no idea. I'm thinking, there's no way we're going to be able to pay uh, for hospital, you know, when, when our baby's born. And he said, I'm, I'm, we're just really just, you know, in fear of what's coming. And, uh, and then he said, then I, I, I went to church that Sunday and he said, as I'm sitting there, he said, I had $7.85 to my name. That's all I had. And he said, and it came time for the offering. And Danny said, I was going to put my usual one buck in, you know, that I, that I gave at church. And he said, but before they did the offering, they started talking about this missions need. And he said, I started listening to the pastor talk about this great need that was there. And he said, I started thinking about, you know, how, how these people really needed to help. And he said, I just, I lost control of myself. And he said, so when they did the offering, he said, I put all $7 I had in the offering plate. And he said, when the offering got about two rows away from me, he goes, all of a sudden, I'm going, what the heck did I just do? You know, I've got 85 cents to my name. How am I going to go home and tell my wife I gave, I gave the church all my money? He said, it just, he said, I was about to lose it. He said, after the service, Danny said, I went to the front. He said, I knelt at the altar. And I said, God, I just gave you everything I have. I've got a baby coming. I can't pay for the hospital bill. God, I gave, you, I gave you everything I had, but truthfully, Lord, I need tenfold what I gave you in order to make it. And, and he said, I just, I, I, I'm putting my trust in you. And Danny said he went home and next day the phone rang. And Danny Thomas said, I, we, I answered the phone and he said it was from an agency that I'd interviewed with and they said, we want to hire you to do some commercial for us, some commercials for us. We'll pay you $75 a week. And Danny said, that was unheard of money for a guy just starting out. And he, he said, I literally dropped the phone. He said, I got so excited, I dropped the phone and I ran and told my wife, I'm going to make $75 a week. And he said, he said, I was so excited. He said, after I came back, talked to the guy and I hung the phone up, he said, all of a sudden it hit me. I had put $7 in, told God I needed tenfold and God gave me $75. That's a good God. That's a good God. And Danny went on to talk about how, out of the Lord's blessing, some of you know, he, he was the one that started St. Jude Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee for people, particularly for kids who couldn't afford hospital care, out of how God had blessed him. Look, look just hear my heart. I'm not trying to minimize your impossible situation. I'm not trying to minimize what you may be in the middle. I am going to maximize, though, who God is and what he can do. Amen? That's hope. That's hope. There are hope for those of us who are lost in confusion. There are hope for those who are lost in confusion. Can I, can I let you give you a little insight into my world as a pastor? It's, it's, it's really funny sometimes because people come to my office and they'll say, Pastor, I need your help. I'm confused. And they start telling me, and, and I start, I, internally I'm laughing because I'm thinking, they have no idea how dumb I really am. 
And it's like they think I'm smarter than them and I'm going to help them figure this out. Look, look at me. I love you. But if you want smart people, don't come to me. <laughs> we need to go to God for the wisdom that we need. Does this make sense to you? I can be a sounding board. I'll be happy to me. I'll be happy to talk with you. But if you're confused, and I know there are a lot of you facing circumstances and situations and you're trying to sort it out. Here's what I want to tell you. Don't do it all on your own. Don't rely just on Steve. Don't rely on good friends. And certainly don't rely on Google. If you need wisdom, we need to go to the Lord. I, I love the passage in, in Psalm 32, 8. Read it with me. It says, the Lord says, read it, church, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. How many of you have realized that when you try to follow your own instincts, you make a mess of things? Have anybody found that out yet? Yeah, absolutely. I saw this story. Some of you may have seen this in the news. I thought this was absolutely hysterical. In Hawaii last May, on the big island, uh, there was a guy, Christine Hutchison, who was the one telling the story in the article that I saw. She said her and her husband had just been out in the water. Uh, I think they were doing some fishing or some diving, but they were bringing their, they were at the dock and they were, they were bringing their boat onto land. And she goes, as we're standing, as she said, as we're working to get our boat, she goes, I look up and she goes, there's this van coming toward us is that it, and it's going kind of fast for being in, a, in an area there around the dock. And she said, and I watched this van go zipping right past us. The woman driver just turned and smiled at us and just kept going straight right into the water. Throw that picture on the screen. Throw it up here. And she said, I'm, I'm going, what in the world? There were two women in this van. One was driving, the other was in the passenger seat, probably giving directions, you know, good. But... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to hear about that one, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to hear about that. I, just too much coffee. It just got out of me. I couldn't, I couldn't stop it. But what was funny, Christine said her and her husband and a couple other people, they actually dove in the water and helped the, these two women get out of their van and, and get them on. And, and she asked her, and this was what was hilarious. She asked, she said, why, why did you drive into the water? And the woman said, I was following my GPS. <laughs> now, let me just say this publicly if you're following your GPS and it's taking you into a body of water, don't believe it. <laughs> Amen? Don't believe, how many of you, your GPS has taken you wrong places before? Anybody? Yeah, hold your hands up high. Don't believe Google. Don't, don't, you know, don't, don't believe it. And it's so funny because, come on, it's just, it's just us. This is how some of us live our lives. We've got these really tangled up situations. And so we get online and go, what should I do, Google? And Google is supplied information. Look at me, I love you. It's supplied information by people who are as dumb as you are. Now, there's a lot of great stuff you can find on Google. I'm not anti-Google. There's a lot of great stuff. But if you need real wisdom, James says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God who gives to all men freely. Amen. Sometimes, can we be honest, sometimes we're, we're, we're wanting to make a decision or wanting to do something in a hurry. And one of the problems that some of us have is why we get ourselves in trouble is we don't like God's timetable. Because... As much as I really don't like it, because I am not a big believer in delayed gratification. 
But God is never in a hurry. Amen. I have, I have a good friend I, I made last year. We were doing a Monday group uh, prayer time at the, at the YMCA over early wine. And one of the guys who started attending it uh, just became a good buddy. His name's John Walker. And John has got a, a lot of challenges in his life himself physically and with his wife who's, who's, who's got uh, dealing with uh, Alzheimer's. And, and he, it, it, it's just got a lot of challenges. But he's such a great man of faith. And I just love the wisdom that he shares. And it was so funny. One day I came out of the Y and I, when I was heading out to the parking lot, his car was parked night to mine, next to mine. And I saw his license plate and I took a picture of it. Though, if we get that up on the screen. Yeah. What's that say? Say it out loud. Wait on God. How much better would our lives be if we waited on God? Flip back to that passage of scripture for me, Brent, would you? From Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Read it with me, church. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. If you're in confusion, there's hope and his name is Jesus. Let me give you one more and I, and I wanna be really tender with this. But there's hope for those of you who are lost in grief this year. There's hope for those of you who are lost in your grief. Look at me. It's okay to grieve. Grief is a gift from God. Grief is God's way of helping us get the pain out, get the sad out, process the trauma, the emotions, and the losses that we've had. But if we're honest, some of us get stuck in grief. For some of us, that darkness of grief becomes a place to hide. It becomes a cave that allows us to withdraw from people because we really don't want to deal with the rawness of the emotion that we're going through. And, and what I want you to understand is, I, again, I'm not going to begin to minimize for you the, the losses that you have or the grieving you maybe do, but I, I want you to understand God has come to bring hope to your grief. Can, can I give you a few ways he does that? God promises to be with you when you grieve. He promises to be with you when you grieve. Now, that's really important because sometimes, man, when, when grief is overwhelming to us, it, it's so easy to feel all alone. In fact, some of us, I know, uh, because I've been there, some of us have gone through losses where we've looked up at heaven and said, where are you, God? And I can answer that question. He's right there. He's right there. Look at the passage of Scripture from Psalm 34, 18. Read it out loud. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And, and let me just give you a couple of ways that God draws near. For some of us, it's, he draws near to us with his spirit. There are some of you who know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been in a point of grief and maybe you've been sitting alone somewhere or you were just kind of lost in your thoughts and all of a sudden you felt this, this overwhelming sense of the presence of God. And he draws near and you sense him close. His God's way of letting you know, I'm right beside you. 
Um, for, for others of us, sometimes we, we feel God drawing near through his word. God's scriptures give us great hope. Over and over again, God speaks words to us, which is why, which is funny because when we're grieving, a lot of times we don't want to open the Bible. I don't feel like opening the Bible. I feel like just pulling away. I want to be mad at God for a while. But yet, when we open the scriptures, what we find is God uses those scriptures to speak into us. Funny, when Paul describes the scriptures, he describes it as the inspired word of God. Say that word, inspire. Inspired word of God. You know what that word means? It means to breathe into which is why it's so important for us to get into God's word because that's where God breathed into us the life and hope that we need. Can I tell you another way God draws near? With friends and family. You know, sometimes those hugs you're getting in your time of grief aren't just from that friend standing beside you. It's God's way of reaching out to you and letting you feel his presence through someone with skin on. Amen? Amen. Secondly, God promises to bring healing to your grief. He promises to bring healing to your grief. Great word of hope from Psalm 147, verse three. Read it with me, church. He heals the brokenhearted and he bandages their wounds. <clears throat> you know, I, I've heard people, you know, when I've been talking with them as they're going through uh, losses like that, people will say, Pastor Steve, will I always feel this way? I feel so bad. Will I always feel with that, this way? Look at me. No, you won't. You won't always feel that way. It may seem like you will, but you won't. As you lean into God, God is still our healer. In fact, I, I love it. I saw this poster last week. I, I had to have a picture of it. Time doesn't heal all wounds. God does. God, time doesn't heal it. God does. Give you one more. And this is really hard. God promises to replace your grief with joy. God promises to replace your grief with joy. Let's read the promise, then let me talk about it. Psalm 30, verse 11. Read it with me, church. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. Now, this is a really hard concept for those of us, particularly for those of us for maybe whom grief is very fresh because it feels like I'm never, ever going to be happy again. I'm not going to feel joy again. And can we be honest? And sometimes we don't want to let ourselves feel joy. Because sometimes it feels like we're betraying the memory of someone if we begin to feel happy. And, and, and I want to tell you, it's okay to feel joy again. I remember some years ago when... Marvin and Betty Cottom, who are just great friends that were here in the church, they both passed on now. But Marvin um, had a stroke and he had several physical issues. And for about 16 years, Betty had to, to really take care of him. And when Marvin died, I remember sitting with Betty and just processing some of her grief with her. And I said to her, I said, Betty, 
something's going to happen tomorrow or the next day or the next day. I said, one of these mornings soon, you're going to wake up and your first thought is, I need to go check on Marvin. And all of a sudden, it's going to hit you that you don't have to check on Marvin. And you're going to feel a little bit of a sense of relief. Look at me, and that's okay. Marvin would want you to feel that sense of relief. Feeling that sense of relief and feeling a little bit of happiness and joy doesn't mean that you resent caring for him. It means that life goes on and Marvin and God both would want you to live in joy. Does that make sense to you? And I know for some of you, you're not there yet and it's okay. But I want to tell you that God came to bring you hope, not just a hope that covers it over with scars, but God wants you to experience joy again. I'll give you one more. There is hope for those who are lost in their sin. There's hope for those who are lost in their sin. Sometimes we mess up big. And sometimes what we've done may leave us feeling like we can never be forgiven when there's no hope for us. But there is. Look at Isaiah 118. Come now, let us settle this, says the Lord. Read it with me, church. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. Robert Coleman, who was a professor at Asbury Seminary, wonderful author, and had a, probably impacted evangelism in America more than almost any other man, wrote a book called Written in Blood many years ago. In that book, he, he, he tells a story about a little girl who became sick, and she needed a blood transfusion, but she needed a blood transfusion from someone who had also had that disease so that her body could have the antibodies. She needed that blood. Her brother, who was two years older than her, um, had had that disease. He had successfully fought it out. And, and uh, because they had a rare blood type, he was a perfect match for her and a perfect donor uh, to have a blood transfusion to give her some of that blood. And the doctor sat down with this little kid and he tried to explain what his sister needed and said, your sister needs your blood. Would you be willing to give your sister your blood? And the doctor said this little boy looked like he was about to freak out, which, of course, any little boy would. And, and finally, he said, for my sister. And he, the doctor said, yeah. And he said, I'll do it for my sister. And so they arranged it, and they brought them both in and tables and put them side by side. And the doctor said he, he watched as the little boy just kind of looked over. So the kids were both so scared, neither one of them talked. But the boy looked over and just kind of smiled at his little sister like he was trying to just let her know it's going to be okay. And they began giving her some of his blood. After the process went on for a bit, the doctor came in to check on him and everything was looking good. And he patted the boy's arm and he said, the little boy looked up at him and he said, 
Doc, when am I going to die? This little boy thought that giving his blood to his sister was going to kill him. And the doctor said, all of a sudden, I realized how hesitant this kid was, you know, why, why he freaked out a bit when I asked him to do what he, what he did. And the doctor explained, no, 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 you're not, you're not going to die. You're just giving her some of your blood. You're, you're, going to, you're healthy, and you're going to live for a long time. And then the boy calmed down. When we look at this baby who came in a manger, he came to give his blood too. Jesus was literally born to die on our behalf. But not for a nice little sister. Jesus didn't come to bless the best of us. Jesus came to die and save the worst of us. Amen. Paul said, it was while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. Look at me. I don't care how dark your sin is. I don't care how long you've lived in that darkness. I don't care what you've been or what you've done. Here's what I know. The Bible says when we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Though your sin be red as scarlet, Jesus promises to give you hope and wash you white as snow. Rachel's gonna lead us in that chorus we sang earlier. Jesus Christ is our living hope. I wanna invite you <clears throat> right now, if you would, go ahead and take your little communion cup out. <clears throat> Open the bottom of it and take your little piece of bread out and pull back the top where you can get to the juice in just a moment. And during these next few moments while we, while we sing this song, I just want you to lean into the Lord. Do you need hope today? Are you tired of walking in darkness then I just want to invite you during these next few moments just to open your heart and say, Lord, I need that hope that Steve was talking about. I, I need your spirit to draw near. I need hope for my impossible situation. I need hope for this confusion and I can't seem to find my way. I, I need hope to navigate this minefield called grief. God, I need hope for my sin. Whatever your prayer, just take these moments just to lean into God. This bread represents a body that was broken for you. This blood, this juice represents blood that was spilt for you. This is how much God loves you. Let him pour his hope into you today, would you? We thank you that you are Jehovah Rapha, our healer. You are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. You are the light that directs the path before us. You, you are our Savior, the one who came to, to save, to take away the sins of the world. Everything that we need to have hope today, we find in you. And Father, today, you, you know where each of us are. 
You know the path that any one of us sitting in this room have been on. You know all of us who are watching online and the place we find ourselves today. You know all of us who have been walking in our own darkness, trying to find our way. And today, oh God, would you break through with your hope? This morning, Lord, we, we hold in our hands the reminders of your love a little piece of bread that represents your precious body that was broken, this little cup of juice that represents your blood that was spilled. You gave your all so that we could have hope in this barren, God-forsaken world. Oh, Father, today, wrap your arms around us. Breathe into us a fresh new breath of life. Wash over us with your grace and fill our souls with your living hope. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen.